Hello and welcome to episode number five of Sports Chatter. Here is your host, Ethan Birch. Today we have plenty to talk about. Although the baseball season ended, like we talked about on episode four, we will still be getting into baseball discussion as the hot stove just gets hotter and hotter every week as free agency is set to open up. Um, we will go through the New York Mets offseason needs, the New York Yankees offseason needs, and go through some of the signings that actually already happened. And we will jump, then proceed to jump into NFL talk. Of course, a Week 9 summary, as always, the power rankings of the week, and of course, a Week 10 preview as Thursday night Week 10 kicks off tonight with Thursday Night Football. So let's jump right into the chatter with some Major League Baseball. Although there seems like there's not much to talk about, a lot has already happened, starting with Steven Strasburg. World Series MVP coming off a perfect postseason where he went 5-0, posted a sub-2 ERA, standout player, really was the spark in this Nationals team. He has opted out of his contract and will test free agency. Now the Nationals are in trouble because now they need the money to sign Steven Strasburg and Anthony Rendon back, and that is going to be an issue. So most likely the Nationals are definitely going to sign one of them. It's who they're going to sign because signing t- both is going to be really tough for this Washington Nationals team, especially Strasburg making this a lot harder. But he proved himself. He deserves a big contract. So interesting what can go down there. Another news, Aroldis Chapman and the Yankees agreed to a deal it was a contract extension of one year and $18 million. It avoided a potential opt-out for next season, so that was huge for the New York Yankees to be able to lock Chapman up for another year, avoid that opt-out because they need to go out there, and starting pitching is a must for this New York Yankees team. We'll get into that a little bit later in Sports Chatter. Um, other news, New York baseball news, more of it. The New York Mets signed Carlos Beltran as their new manager. So, controversy there. Personally, do I like it? I think it's an okay move for the New York Mets. Brody Van Wagner came out and said that when he, when him and Girardi met, even through two interviews, there was real no connection there. He couldn't get a connection with Girardi. He knew it wasn't worth it. He had a real connection with Carlos Beltran. And obviously, if you know a lot about baseball, you know that Carlos Beltran has one of the most brilliant minds in baseball. He's only two years out of retiring. Even the New York Yankees, when they were in a manager hunt back in 2017... Before they signed Boone, they were he was uh, Carlos Beltran was runner up, so he was a finalist runner up for that manager job. So it clearly shows enough. Carlos Beltran was ready. He only wanted the New York Mets. He wants to leave his leave his legacy with the New York Mets. Completely understandable. He spent plenty of seasons here. He has redemp- some redemption to do. As if you could go back to when he took that curveball for strike three and the Cardinals won the pennant. So. And that was in New York. He wants to leave a legacy, and he's coming in a very good spot for the Mets. So now, this is a solid time in our show to get into the New York Mets 2019-20 offseason needs. The 2019 New York Mets are coming off an 86-76 and 76 season where they dropped... They, dropped, they were three games out of a wildcard spot by missing the playoffs, 11 games out of the division to an Atlanta Braves team in first place with 97 wins and 93 wins Nationals team in the wild card, who hosted the wild card and obviously went on to win the World Series. So, honestly, not a bad season for the Mets. We've talked about it on Sports Chatter before, but a lot needs to be done because if the Mets were to even save 50% of those games that their bullpen blew, the Mets could have potentially won their division. They blew over 30 games 
in the eighth inning or later, which is ridiculous. The Mets could have been a hundred win team if they just blew if they just saved half of them. So what's our main focus in this 2019 to 2020 offseason? It's very, very, very clear that it's bullpen help. They had easily the worst bullpen in all of baseball, over five ERA. So I was looking into it before, and after doing some research, there's some real solid guys in this free agency class that the Mets should target. I'm looking at a guy from Houston, Will Harris. We saw Will Harris play all postseason. He had a very solid postseason. Obviously hurt in the World Series on a breaking ball to Rendon, but put that aside, a really good season for Will Harris in the postseason. He had a sub-2 ERA, really good by Will Harris. Brandon Morrow, solid reliever. We've seen him play in postseason. He has postseason experience. I like him a lot. There's no reason the Mets couldn't go after someone like him. Another right-handed pitcher, Nate Jones. Nate Jones, solid. He's a breaking ball pitcher, as is Will Harris. I love, I'd love to see what Nate Jones could possibly do in a Mets uniform. Why not take the chance? They wouldn't have to spend too much money on a guy like Nate Jones. Also, Johnny Venter's a left-handed reliever. Um, wouldn't, wouldn't hurt this bullpen, so... These are just some guys on free agency. A guy that maybe the Mets could possibly trade for would be a guy like Will Smith from San Francisco. You got Dom Smith. You don't know what's his deal. There's no real room for him on this team. There's a, there's Position-wise, he is nowhere near a good defender. He can't play the outfield. He makes tons of errors in the outfield. His hitting is a plus. Maybe trade him to an American League team, get a, get a reliever. But the Mets need to figure out what's Dom Smith's deal because leaving him just floating on the bench, he is a real good hitter, but something needs to be solved with that. Um, more help for the Mets. Another, probably number two in my books is re-signing Zach Wheeler. He's coming off statistically two of his best seasons yet. His last season, he posted a 3.96 ERA with 195 strikeouts, which is a career high in the season before, a 3.31 ERA. Clearly, the past two seasons, he's been healthy. He's really worked back to get to where he needed to be. There's a reason this New York Mets team did not trade him at the deadline, and that's what I really like about this. In my eyes, Zach Wheeler is a must to come back for this New York Mets team. The Mets, bulk, the Mets starting rotation looks great right now. Bringing back Wheeler would just add on to it. It consists of DeGrom, who's prob most likely going to win this Cy Young Award. Noah Syndergaard, who, rough season, around a 4 ego array. He needs to turn things around. Marcus Stroman, we know, all know who he is, came back from the Blue Jays on a trade deadline move. Steven Matto has two healthy seasons in a row, looked solid from the as a southpaw in this Mets rotation. Bringing back Wheeler would be very important, topping that rotation off. You also have options such as Seth Lugo and Robert Gazelman, who Brody Van Wagenen openly said a couple days ago that he is might be willing to bring to test those guys into the starting rotation. So Backup help there. We all know how good Lugo was posting a 2.31 ERA just last season. Was the Mets' best bullpen reliever by far. Keeping him in the bullpen would be ideal, but you never know. Also, another help by this Mets' offseason needs would definitely be uh, helping out defensively. Getting some guys who could help out defensively. Mets ranked fifth worst defensively in all of baseball last season, which was horrendous. So, getting somewhere... Getting someone along the defensive line would be very helpful. They made tons of errors last season. And someone that I think could help out defensively, you're going to call him, don't call me crazy, but Anthony Rendon. Let me tell you why. Brody Van Wagenen came out and said that 
financially, the Mets can afford a player such as Anthony Rendon or Garrett Cole. The only thing was the confusion at third base. You have Jed Lowry coming back for another season, even though he barely played last season. He will, he should, the Mets expect him to play next season. Um, you have Jeff McNeil and you have J.D. Davis. Those are three options at third base already. You used Jeff McNeil in the outfield a lot. He, they could use him in left field because Cespedes, there's... Brody Van Wagen came out with a statement saying there's no guarantee Cespedes even plays in 2020. What a nightmare that contract ended up being. But um, you have option three options at third. That's the only problem. The Mets have the second... Second best odds at signing Anthony Rendon. It's a matter of really the Nationals. If the Nationals give up on Rendon, why not bring that bat that the Mets have always needed into that lineup? Because you know that would be that's a game changer, Anthony Rendon, and even Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole has been in the conversation. Houston will open openly said that they will do their best to re-sign Cole, but they don't. They aren't confident that the money they're going to offer is going to be satisfying for potential AL Cy Young award winner Garrett Cole, but if the Mets were to bring in one of those guys, it'd be season game-changing right there. Those are the Mets' top needs. Let's move into the New York Yankees. The Yankees are coming off a season. They were AL runner-ups. Of They lost to the Houston Astros in the ALCS in six games. Dramatic walk-off win by Jose Altuve. They had a couple really good signings last season, and it's highlighted by... DJ LeMahieu, what do the Yankees need this offseason? And I think it's extremely clear, in all capitals, starting pitching. Garrett Cole needs to be on their radar. They can afford a guy like him. Say Steven Strasburg doesn't resign with the Nationals. Get on that Steven Strasburg boat. Another guy can be Hinjin Ryu. Hinjin Ryu coming off a very solid season. He's a, he's a Cy Young finalist for the LA Dodgers, for the National League, excuse me. Madison Bumgarner's a free agent. Why not go after an arm like him? Zach Wheeler, say the Mets don't re-sign him or he doesn't pick up his option in New York. Why don't just why don't the Yankees offer him up? Another arm could be Dallas Keuchel, obviously not top tier compared to some of the other guys, but Keuchel's an option. He's a free agent. He only signed a one year with the Atlanta Braves. So plenty of options for this New York Yankees, but if it is not if it wasn't clear already, <coughs> excuse me, it's very clear that the New York Yankees need starting pitching. They were proven severely wrong at the trade deadline. Did not acquire a big name. Had the chance at Stroman. Declined an offer. And said, even said that they wouldn't even use Stroman in the rotation. They were going to use him in the bullpen. Stroman was really offended by that. And Yankees clearly, clearly needed starting pitching in the postseason. And they were just uh, embarrassed on that end. Another need, they need to bring back Didi Gregorius. Not a lot of shortstops on the market. Didi is a sol- is one of the best left-handed hitting shortstops in the game. He's solid defensively. This is a big one for the New York Yankees if they were to bring back Didi Gregorius. Also potentially Dellen Batances. Dellen Batances is a right-handed reliever. Had a couple very good seasons. Not so great last season and this past season that just, came, that just ended, he didn't play due to injury. He is set to be a free agent. If the Yankees were to sign him back, I think it'd be big for that bullpen. Their bullpen struggled. Overall, the Yankees pitching was a struggle this season, this postseason, big time. And if they were to add some more arms, the Yankees got to be favorites to win the World Series in 2020, at least from the AL side. That's really all I have for this Major League Baseball talk. Let's move in to some NFL. Let's jump into a Week 9 summary 
Let's start with our New York teams, as usual. The most recent game in NFL football was Monday Night Football, of course, and it was the New York Giants hosting the Dallas Cowboys. Giants lose a toughie this week. Um, they have not beaten Dallas in three years. This is Dallas's sixth straight win against the Giants. Um, it was really a tough game. The score doesn't outlook the game. It was a 37-18 win for the Dallas Cowboys. It was a last-second uh, fumble recovery for a touchdown. Unnecessary run back. Really a 30-18 win for the Cowboys. Daniel Jones, solid game. A lot of good signs, but rookie mistakes as usual. Daniel Jones went 26-41 or 41 with 210 yards, tossed a touchdown, had an interception, and lost two fumbles. So the fumbles are adding up on Daniel Jones. That's, I believe, eight fumbles on the season for Daniel Jones. He's got around 15 turnovers combined with interceptions and fumbles. They couldn't get Saquon Barkley going at all. His longest run of the game was only eight yards. He had 14 carries for 28. Um, he broke out for a screen pass, took it 65 yards. But that does not prove a lot. As Saquon Barkley had six receptions for 67 yards, so... His five other catches clearly weren't anything. It was a rough game. The Giants' offensive line was getting obliterated all a day. It was no time for Jones, no time for Barkley to break out. Real tough game. The Dallas Cowboys played very good, though. Prescott continues to dominate the Giants. He threw, he threw for three touchdowns, 257 yards. Elliott ran all day for 139 yards on only 23 carries. He was the workhorse. Cooper had a big touchdown. Cowboys handled business on Monday Night Football. They advance to 5-3 and three on the season as the Giants drop to 2-7. and seven. Um, The New York Jets, if we want to talk about embarrassment, let's get into it. The New York Giants, uh, excuse me, the New York Jets were embarrassed. They lost to the, win the winless Miami Dolphins. They have hit rock bottom clearly. They were in Miami for... Uh, if you want to put any bright side on this, try to at least. Fitzpatrick threw all over this Jets defense. He tossed three touchdowns, no turnovers, 288 yards. Um, Darnold threw another interception. That's nine interceptions in his last three games. Le'Veon Bell had 17 carries for only 66 yards. This Dolphins team showed up and was ready to play. Williams had two touchdowns on five receptions for 72 yards. Crazy win for the Miami Dolphins. On the on the dark end for the Dolphins, they move out and they are projected for the third pick in the draft right now. They this is a twenty six to eighteen win for the Miami Dolphins. Next game is the 49ers. Got a solid chance to preview this game on our on my last sport on my last um podcast because the 49ers played Thursday night football in Arizona. They remain undefeated, advanced to eight and zero on the season and to preview, to give a little spoiler, they are the only undefeated team in football. If you do the math, you could figure out what, what I'm going to talk about in a couple minutes. But Garoppolo threw for four touchdowns, no interceptions. Emmanuel Sanders had an um, outstanding game. Seven receptions, 112 yards, and a touchdown. Really a fabulous game. Kyler Murray even played a solid game, 241 for two touchdowns. And Kenyon Drake, the newest addition to this team, ran for 110 and a touchdown. He had a he had a big run. Um, solid game for the 49ers. Their defense continues to stand out. They got the stop at the end that which they needed. Um, Nick Bosa, 
obviously continues to shine. We can just can't talk enough about him. He makes an impact on every single play. The 49ers are 8-0 moving into Week 10 of the NFL season. The Kansas City Chiefs win a wild one. They, ho they hosted the Minnesota Vikings, a very hot Minnesota team. No Patrick Mahomes again. And they were able to handle business against a hot Kirk Cousins Vikings team. Matt Moore held down the fort. 25 for 35, 275 yards and a touchdown. Damian Williams had the big 91-yard touchdown, 125 on the ground total, including that touchdown. Tyreek Hill, huge game, including a ridiculous diving catch. That was for 40 yards, a dot by Matt Moore, the only possible place it could the ball football could have been placed. Outstanding play on the football, 140 yards and six receptions, including that touchdown for Tyreek Hill. The Chiefs defense was able to hold off Dalvin Cook, who's one of the hottest runners in football, for only 71 yards, which was really the difference in this football game. If Dalvin Cook was able to get going, I think the Vikings would have been able to take this one. But this was a huge win for the Chiefs. They won on a Harrison Bucker 44-yard game-winning field goal. And just before, he tied the game on a 54-yarder. Huge game for Butker. And the, way, the fact that the Chiefs were able to hold down the fort and Mahomes is coming back this week is ginormous. Next, moving on, the Pittsburgh Steelers won a big one, 26-24. Adam Venateri missed a game-winning field goal. Not something you expect. Mason Rudolph, solid, 191 for a touchdown. But the real stat comes from the defensive side. Minka Fitzpatrick has... Now, three interceptions is his last two games, including a 96-yard pick six. I think this game would have been a lot different, but Jacoby Brissett left the game very early. It forced Brian Hoyer in the game. Hoyer did throw for three touchdowns, had an interception, which was that Minka Fitzpatrick pick six. But I think it would have been a very different game. Marlon Mack was not able to really get it going. Only had 89 yards on 21 carries. Struggle for the Colts, and really this should have been a Colts win disappointing for this Colts team they could have been on to six and two but now five and three is a lot different than a six and two football team especially at this time heads up for those Steelers fans as they advance they have evened up their record at four and four next game I want to talk about is the Seattle Seahawks great win in overtime against a hot Tampa Bay Buccaneers team Russell Wilson outstanding game 29 for 43 almost 400 yards and five touchdowns Tyler Lockett Continues, looks like he gets better and better every single game. 13 catches for 152 yards, two touchdowns. DK Metcalf, the rookie, also had a great game. Six catches for 123 yards and a touchdown. Russell Wilson brought this game to overtime. This game went to overtime, and it ended on a Jacob Hollister 10-yard pass from Russell Wilson, which sealed the deal. The Seattle Seahawks, one of the hottest teams in football, advanced to 7-2 on the season. Finally, the game of the week. As I teased you before by saying the 49ers were the only undefeated team in football, I was referring to this game. The New England Patriots have suffered their first loss of the season, their first real test of the season. In Baltimore, Sunday night football, it's a tough, this is a tough environment. The Patriots know that for a fact. They've lost here in AFC Championships games. It had that atmosphere. Lamar Jackson came ready to play. Had two touchdowns on the ground, 61 yards, 
threw for 163, also had a touchdown, no turnovers for Lamar Jackson. The running game was working for this Ravens team. Mark Ingram had 115 on the ground. This was such a solid game. They held Tom Brady to only one touchdown. They intercepted him one time. No running game was existent for this Patriots team. 38 yards on nine carries for White. Four carries for 18 yards for both Burkhead and Michelle. Edelman led the receiving end for the Patriots with 10 receptions for 89 yards. But this was a very impressive and solid effort by this Baltimore Ravens team. Extremely impressive. They have took a significant increase in my power rankings. And let me get to that right now, actually. Let's get into my Week 9 power rankings. Coming in at number one is the Nui, the 49ers, 8-0. There's no reason why they should not be number one at everybody's power rankings. They just continue to get the job done, and there's no going around that. Love them at number one, 8-0 on this season. Number two are the New England Patriots, although we just talked about how they suffered a tough loss. They are still, they still have the greatest of all time under center, and their defense is very solid. The Patriots shouldn't lose many more games. I have them at number two. At number three, we actually didn't get to talk about the Saints because they were on a bye this week. They're back at it this week. Drew Brees, Alvin Kamara will be coming back. Seven and one are the season are the New Orleans Saints. At number four, I have the Baltimore Ravens. As I said, they took a dramatic increase in my power rankings. Six and two on the season continue to prove their way around the NFL. They're past their bye week. All nonstop action for the next next eight weeks as we are officially halfway through our season for most teams. At number five, I have the Kansas City Chiefs. I love what they've been doing with Matt Moore. They've been able to get the job done. Now Patrick Mahomes comes back this week. They have a big matchup we'll talk about in a little bit. They come in at number five. At number six, the Seattle Seahawks. Excuse me, I've always, as you hear, if you listen to most of my podcasts, you know I have high hopes for the Seattle Seahawks team. I love them this season. I love Russell Wilson as a quarterback. I think he is a top three quarterback. In this league, I have, they are 7-2 and two on the season, and I have them running in at number 6. At number 7, I have the Packers. They took a drop in my power rankings as they took a tough loss, 26-11 to 11 against the Chargers. We didn't get to talk about that game, but it was a rough one for the Packers. They weren't able to get any offense going. Their running game was um, inexistent and... <clears throat> excuse me, and... Tough one, tough one for the Packers, but I still think they are one of the best teams in the NFC, and that's why I have them at number seven. At number eight, I have the Houston Texans. The Houston Texans, big win in London. If you watch that game, they really dismantled the Jaguars, and the Jaguars are not a bad team at all. Garner Minshew, they they turned them into a turnover machine. That defense was nuts against them. They picked them off twice, and Picked up two fumbles against them. Garner Minshew combined for four total turnovers in that game. So tough game for him. Texans come in at number eight. At number nine, the Vikings unable to hold on to that game against the Chiefs as we talked about. But they are still six and three on the season. I have them at nine. At number ten, I have the Bills. The Bills handled business this weekend. Hosting the Redskins, that was an easy one. 24-9 against the Redskins. That's a big win. And that'll do it for my power rankings for week nine. And the final part of my podcast, let's do my week 10 preview. So let's go down the line. We actually are lucky enough, as always, 
as this drops on Thursdays, to talk about Thursday Night Football. So tonight, 8.20 start on Fox if you want to tune in. The Los Angeles Chargers are going to Oakland to play against the Raiders. The Chargers come in at one-and-a-half point favorites, and give me the Chargers in this game. They are coming off a hot win that we got to talk about a little while ago against the Packers. Huge win for this Chargers team, and I expect them to carry momentum into this Raiders game and take home a win on Thursday Night Football. And even that record up at 5-5 five and five on the season. Expect a big game for Phillip Rivers and potentially Mike Williams in the air. Then now we get to talk about moving on to Sunday. We could actually bang out both New York teams and talk about both of them at the same time as every four years they get to play against each other in the regular season. And just lucky enough right now, excuse me, we get to talk about them as they play against each other. The Jets are actually hosting the Giants, which doesn't mean anything because they both play in MetLife Stadium. But give me the Giants in this one. The Jets just nightmare season, really. This is a solid game for potentially Barkley to get back on track. The Jets are coming off, as we said, most embarrassing loss of the season, losing to the Dolphins, who is supposed to be the laughing stock of the league this year. The Jets have might have turned into that one. The Giants come in at two and a half point favorites. It should be an interesting one as both teams have only combined for three wins total. But give me the Giants in this one. Moving on, the Chicago Bears hosting the Lions. Chicago comes in at two and a half point favorites. Give me the upset in this one. I really like what Stafford, Kenny Galladay, and Marvin Jones would have been able to do on the offensive end of the football for the Detroit Lions. I love the Lions so far this season. I expect them to even up that record for four and one. And upset nation there. Moving on, the winless Bengals are hosting the six and two Ravens. Six and two Ravens, as we talked about before. Moved up in my power rankings. Give me the Ravens. They're 10-point favorites. Although, look out. A.J. Green is set to make his return, his his debut of the 2019-20 season. So, look out for A.J. Green. Still give me the Ravens, though. It's not going to change my mind. Um, moving on, the Cleveland Browns coming at three-point favorites, hosting the Bills, which doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Give me the Bills. Baker Mayfield has just been not had a good season at all. He still looks nervous, still looks like a rookie, even though he isn't. He's in his second year. Maybe it's sophomore slumps. I don't know what it is, but his vision has not been good. He's not been able to find his receivers, and it's been ugly for Baker Mayfield. So give me the bills in this one. Moving on, the Saints are in the Dome as 13-point favorites as they are hosting the 1-7 Falcons. They are at full strength, finally. Alvin Kamara making his return. Give me the Saints easily right there. Next up, the Buccaneers hosting the Cardinals. Give me the Buccaneers. I like what they did. they so close to beating the Seahawks. I bet if they got the ball first in overtime instead of the Seahawks, they probably could have came away with a victory, although they didn't. The Seahawks were able to march down, as we talked about. Russell Wilson. But I do think, well, don't be surprised if Jameis Winston tosses a couple touchdowns. And Ronald Jones Jr. has a solid game on the ground. They come in as five-point favorites. Give me the Buccaneers. Last 1 o'clock game is the Tennessee Titans hosting the Kansas City Chiefs. We got to talk about that a little bit in the power rankings discussion as Patrick Mahomes is back this week. So I will be taking the Chiefs on the road. This is a big game for them. If they could pull out a victory, tough environment in Tennessee. Tennessee has been solid this season at 4-5. and five. Not great, but solid. They could go to 7-3 and three and just take off from there with Mahomes. So huge, potentially a huge win for the Chiefs. They come in at five and a half point favorites. Give me the Kansas City Chiefs in this one. 
preview. So let's go down the line. We actually are lucky enough, as always, as this drops on Thursdays, to talk about Thursday Night Football. So tonight, 8.20 start on Fox if you want to tune in. The Los Angeles Chargers are going to Oakland to play against the Raiders. The Chargers come in at one-and-a-half point favorites, and give me the Chargers in this game. They are coming off a hot win that we got to talk about a little while ago against the Packers. Huge win for this Chargers team, and I expect them to carry momentum into this Raiders game and take home a win on Thursday Night Football. And even that record up at 5-5 five and five on the season. Expect a big game for Phillip Rivers and potentially Mike Williams in the air. Then now we get to talk about, moving on to Sunday, we could actually bang out both New York teams and talk about both them at the same time as every four years they get to play against each other in the regular season. And just lucky enough right now, excuse me, we get to talk about them as they play against each other. The Jets are actually hosting the Giants, which doesn't mean anything because they both play in MetLife Stadium. But give me the Giants in this one. The Jets just nightmare season, really. This is a solid game for potentially Barkley to get back on track. The Jets are coming off, as we said, the most embarrassing loss of the season, losing to the Dolphins, who is supposed to be the laughing stock of the league this year. The Jets have might have turned into that one. The Giants come in at two and a half point favorites. It should be an interesting one as both teams have only combined for three wins total. But give me the Giants in this one. Moving on, the Chicago Bears hosting the Lions. Chicago comes in at two and a half point favorites. Give me the upset in this one. I really like what Stafford, Kenny Galladay, and Marvin Jones would have been able to do on the offensive end of the football for the Detroit Lions. I love the Lions so far this season. I expect them to even up that record for four and one and upset nation there. Moving on, the winless Bengals are hosting the six and two Ravens. Six and two Ravens, as we talked about before. Moved up in my power rankings. Give me the Ravens. They're 10-point favorites. Although, look out. A.J. Green is set to make his return. His his debut of the 2019-20 season. So, look out for A.J. Green. Still give me the Ravens, though. It's not going to change my mind. Um, moving on. The Cleveland Browns coming at 3-point favorites. Hosting the Bills, which doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Give me the Bills. Baker Mayfield has just been not had a good season at all. He still looks nervous, still looks like a rookie, even though he isn't. He's in his second year. Maybe it's sophomore slumps. I don't know what it is, but his vision has not been good. He's not been able to find his receivers, and it's been ugly for Baker Mayfield. So give me the bills in this one. Moving on, the Saints are in the Dome as 13-point favorites as they are hosting the 1-7 Falcons. They are at full strength, finally. Alvin Kamara making his return. Give me the Saints easily right there. Next up, the Buccaneers hosting the Cardinals. Give me the Buccaneers. I like what they did. they so close to beating the Seahawks. I bet if they got the ball first in overtime instead of the Seahawks, they probably could have came away with a victory, although they didn't. The Seahawks were able to march down, as we talked about. Russell Wilson. But I do think, well, don't be surprised if Jameis Winston tosses a couple touchdowns. And Ronald Jones Jr. has a solid game on the ground. They come in as five-point favorites. Give me the Buccaneers. Last 1 o'clock game is the Tennessee Titans hosting the Kansas City Chiefs. We got to talk about that a little bit in the power rankings discussion as Patrick Mahomes is back this week. So I will be taking the Chiefs on the road. This is a big game for them. If they could pull out a victory, tough environment in Tennessee. Tennessee has been solid this season at 4-5. and five. Not great, but solid. They could go to 7-3 and three and just take off from there with Mahomes. So huge 
potentially a huge win for the Chiefs. They come in at five and a half point favorites. Give me the Kansas City Chiefs in this one. 